0: Today we are doing now Friday's portion of Parshas. And what just happened yesterday, continuing the saga of Avraham, is that he had to send away his son, Yishmael. Unfortunately, at that time, Ishmael was in, as I would say, a very bad place and was engaging in idolatry, in forbidden immoral immoral acts and attempting murder, attempting to murder Isaac, Yitzchak because he threatened his inheritance. So Abraham had to send his son away Son was very sick and almost died and yet his prayers evoked God's compassion and even though he wasn't especially good at that time because he truly repented in his illness and truly turned to God, God made an amazing miracle for him, and a well of water appeared in this desert, and he drank it and was healed, quenched his thirst, and saved his life. And he continues, and at this time, we leave him in the storyline. He's still not in a good space. He basically is a robber in the desert, not leading a very moral life as befitting his father. But later, he does repent completely. He does go back to Abraham. And he does live a righteous life. Not his children, but he, Ishmael, does repent. And of course, Hagar, later, after the passing of Sarah, actually comes back to Avraham. So there is that uh, happier ending than we see at this moment. Continuing, at this point now, today's portion is discussing one episode. At this point, Abimelech, with his general Fichot, they say to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Tarashi says, well, what made them realize this? Well, first of all, he lived in the vicinity of Silm, and they said everything else got destroyed, and he leaves it safe and sound. Also, he waged this war with the king, these four mighty, mighty kings that five armies fell to, and he managed to defeat them. And now his wife was remembered by God in their old age with a child. So putting all these three items together, wow, I really see God is with you. So therefore, Abimelech, remember Abimelech is the king. If you remember the story, it happened previously this week, how Abimelech took Sarah. Sarah was 90 years old at the time, but she was still a very, very, very beautiful woman, and he took her and wanted to have relationships with her, and God did not let. And then he, God spoke to him, and he backed off and gave her back with lots and lots and lots of gifts. But unlike Pharaoh, Pyro, who, when a very similar thing happened, Pyro said, here, here's loads of gifts and get out of here, because he knew his people were very immoral, and he knew it was not safe. But the people in Gerar, where Avram went, where Abimelech was the king, I guess they were of a higher caliber, so Abimelech wasn't worried that someone would try to start off with Abraham and Sarah. So they stayed in growth. So now Abimelech comes to Abraham, and he said, God is with you. And now swear to me, here by God, that you won't be false, not with me or my child or my grandchild. According Of course, the kinds that I have done with you, do with me, and with the land in which you're now traveling in, which you're now living in. So Rashi comments, why does he ask for kindness for these next two generations of a child and a grandchild? But Rashi says, according other sages say, because that's as far as the mercy is over a child. Your child, your grandchild. Once it's past that point already, you know, it's a little distant. Melech said, of course, the kindness that I have done with you do with me. Well, what kind does Avimelech do with Abraham? The kindness is that I let you live in my land. You've been living in my land all this time. That's my kindness to you. And then Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham argued, disputed with Avimelech regarding the well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. Now we see this a little bit here with Abraham and then later when we discuss his son Isaac, we're going to see a lot of stories about these wells. Remember, this is the desert. You can also remember everything is very symbolic and there's a lot of deeper meaning. But we're not going there. This is Rashi. This is the literal meaning of the verse. So Rashi explains that Abraham and Abimelech were arguing over this well that, that Abraham is saying, we dug and it's our water. And Abimelech said, we dug and it's our water. And Abimelech said, and and Abimelech said I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm not i am the king. I'm not out digging wells. And you never told me about this before. I never heard about this except today. So Abraham took flocks and cattle and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant together. And Abraham set, set aside seven lambs from the flock. And then Abimelech said to Abraham, what are these seven lambs that you set aside? And Abraham responded, you should take these seven lambs from me, that it will be my witness that I dug this well. Now what does that mean? So Rashi explained this act, seemingly saying the seven lambs are the witness, but the way it's written that it may be my witness is a singular. Rashi says it's not the seven sheep, that would be the plural, but this act should be the witness and the reason this is written in the feminine is because testimonies in the feminine. Now, what's this witness going on here? So, as we said, the shepherds of Abimelech and the shepherds of Abraham were quarreling. Who dug the well? And each one said, we dug it. So they decided, whoever comes to the well and the waters rise up to greet him, it's his. And when Abraham came to the well, the waters rose up to greet them. So it's not that the gift of the sheep is evidence that Abraham's shepherds dug at the well. It's evidence that the waters rose up toward Abraham because to Abraham's sheep, the waters rose up and not to Abimelech. So we see here some controversy here over this well, though it got resolved in this miraculous fashion. And as I said, with Isaac, he's going to experience a lot more. So therefore they called this place Be'er Sheva because of that the two of them took an oath. Be'er means a well. We're talking here about this miracle that happened with the well to determine whose well. Sorry, I'm saying it backwards. It's the miracle that determined whose well it really was. The argument is over the well. And Sheva has a few meanings here because Sheva means an oath, like it was an oath. Be'er Sheva. They took this oath by this well, and because of the well, and because of the oath, and also Shemesh 7, which alludes to the seven seven lambs that Abraham gave, and Abimelech accepted as testimony that truly it is the Be'er, the well of Abraham. So they entered into this covenant at the Shevah. Be'er, Sheva. Be'er Sheva, of course, is what we call this area until today. Avimelech then got up and his generals, Bichol, and they went back to their land of the Pishtim. And then here is Abraham in Beer Sheva. Abraham plants an Eshel. It says in Beer Sheva, this is a very very famous verse here. He plants an Eshel in Beer Sheva, Shem Sham Hashem Kel Olam. He proclaimed the name of God. World. So what is this Eshel? What's an Eshel? The Rashi says, he actually quotes you the names of two people, Rob and Shmuel, two different Amoraim, that argues, what is this Eshel? So one says it means an orchard. He planted an orchard where he had all these delicious fruits for the guests. Remember, Avram's whole or primary mode of serving God was kindness as specifically expressed in guests. So in honor of his guests, he planted an orchard so she has delicious fruits to serve his guests. Others say eishel means an inn. And in the inn are all types of food. So you could say, wait, he planted the shell. So the first explanation makes sense because he plant an orchard. You don't plant an inn. But Rashi says, no, you plant a tent. Get a tent, plant a tent. So it could really work in either either way. And he proclaimed there in the name of God, God, world. So what does that mean? The Rashi explains that by means of that shell, that orchard of fruits, that inn of these delicious foods, that this amazing hospitality that Abraham had, he brought the name of God to the world. How? Because here he is in the desert. People are traveling in the desert. People are seeing this amazing mirage of a... Of an orchard, of an inn, get delicious food, such hospitality, and after they eat and drink, everyone would say, Okay, bless God, whose food you've eaten. You think it was mine? Everything you, you, you ate from was God's. And that's as far as Rashi explains it, the Midras goes on to say that people would say, No, I don't believe in this God. I have like 27 of my own gods. I don't need your gods. You'd say, Okay, fine, pay me. And he'd give them this exorbitant bill. And if they would argue, he'd say, what are you talking about? Here you are in a desert, here there's an orchard, here there's an inn, here there's all this food, I deserve every penny. But if you want, you can praise God, or if you want, you can pay the bill. So they all altruistically decided to praise God instead, which might sound to us like a very like, come on, what is he gaining? But he really, 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 for these people at this level, he was opening up their channels, of an awareness of God. For this person, God is so real that he's willing to forgo all that money so you should acknowledge God. Who is this God that he's willing to forgo all this money just for you to acknowledge God? So it really cracked them open in terms of God. I said this verse is very significant because these words, they called there in the name of God, God world, are really showing in essence what Abraham accomplished that he brought the name of God to the world. God-world. God-world became one through Abraham. Until that time, there were other righteous people. There were righteous things from Adam until Abraham. The world can't exist if there isn't someone completely righteous who's serving God. But still, God was separate from the world because those people were righteous, and the world was incredibly wicked. And there was no connection between the two, really. But Abraham, he brought God to the world. And that's what made him special, and that's why he managed to have the Jewish people. Because God said, this is just, you're doing my work here you're bringing the world to recognize me that's what it means to be a Jew and the final verse of today's portion and Abraham lived as a stranger in the land of Pistom for many days but that was this very long Rashi where basically Rashi says for how many days what does it mean many days and Rashi says many days means 26 years now, how in the world does Rashi figure that out? So Rashi spends a long time explaining to how he figured it out. The first, Rashi does an elaborate calculation by which he shows you that there are two main places that Abraham was in when he came to Israel. First, he was in Hebron for 25 years because we know that when he first did Lech Lecha, beginning of Aspik's Parsha, when he first traveled and came to Israel, he was 75. And for the next 25 years, basically, he lived in Hebron. Maybe a little bit here, a little bit there. But basically, he settled in one place in Hebron for those 25 years. And he was there until the destruction of stone, When then, because, as Rashi explained there, first of all, stone is destroyed. Abraham's whole being is to park himself in some desert area where travelers go by. So the travelers weren't going anymore. The five cities were destroyed. There's nothing to go for. Or at least four of the five were. And also, after Lot did this disgraceful thing with his daughters, he also wanted to leave, you know, wasn't comfortable there. So he left, and he came to the land of the him to the land of Gerar. He was 99 years old at that time. And then we know well, how long was he in the land of Pleshtim? Well, we don't know. But all we know about it is it says he was in the land of Pleshtim many days. So Rashi says, if the 25 years he was in Hebron, I can calculate, which I can, and Rashi does for us. And I have no clue how long he was in the position, but I know he was there many days. It must mean more than Hebron. All right, so 25 plus X. How many more than Hebron was it? Rashi said it had to be one. How did he figure out one? It's because if it's any number bigger than one, I have no clue. 25 plus 2, 25 plus 10, 25 plus 30, I don't know. So the only number that I could say is more, the units of more, is plus one. And since we have a basic principle that the verse doesn't come to confuse us, it comes to clarify, in other words, the Chumash doesn't have to tell us how long he was there. Like we could say, what difference does it make? This isn't a history book. I don't need to know date by date where he was. Whereas the Chumash is telling it to us, it's telling it to us to clarify. So if I can figure out that he was in Hebron 25 years, which I can, and I know he was in Fushim more than that, which I know from this verse, and I don't know how long more. The only thing that's logical, Rashi says, because otherwise we don't gain any information, is plus one. So 25 plus one is 26. So he was 25 years in Hebron, and then 26 years in him. and after the 26 years in him, he goes back, he left the land of him, and he goes back to Hebron. Once he went back to Hebron, he was in Hebron 12 more years, and then there was, what's going to be tomorrow's portion, the whole rest of this parsha, the Akedas Yitzhak, the binding of Yitzhak. So we have 25 in Hebron, then 26 by the Plishtim, and then he went back to Hebron, he's in Hebron 12 more years, and then there was the binding of Yitzhak of Isaac. Why does Rashi go through this whole long Rashi? Basically for that last concept. For us to understand how much after The previous story, meaning the covenant between Abimelech and Abraham, was the binding of Yitzchak. Now, we don't know at what point Abraham made the covenant with Abimelech, but even if he made it at the end of his 26 years there, he still has 12 more years till the binding of Isaac, then he goes back to Hebron, and then he has another 12 years, and then there's the binding, which feeds into the point, the opening verse, the opening rashi's, Of the portion of the binding are going to bring out how far the time was from that event to this event and the significance of that. And keeping in mind, we're obviously not going to learn the portion of the binding together, but Yitzhak was no baby, no small little child like you might sometimes envision. As we're saying, there's a number of years going on here. When we had the binding of Isaac, he was 37 years old. Abraham was 137, and Isaac was 37 at this ultimate test of Abraham, at the Binding of Isaac.